Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Haley Adelman and Sean O'Grady, the co-directors and producers behind the new documentary film, Our American Family. The film provides an honest, unfiltered look at a close-knit Philadelphia family dealing with generational substance abuse. The film will be released in theaters on September 2nd. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. I'll mute. Have a brilliant interview. Perfect. Thank you. So hey, hey. again. It's good to see you again. How have you been? Good. How about yourself? I've been really well, doing really well. I was uh, excited to follow up with you again. It's rare that I get to talk to somebody when they're doing the festival circuit and then right before the release. So I couldn't be happier to see the film finally becoming available to a wider audience at this point. So congratulations. Thank you. And thanks for giving us the opportunity to join you again. We really appreciate it. Well, it, it's been, it was such a weird weekend because the two films that I was watching last night, and this was not by design, where I was rewatching Our American Family and then I was watching I Love My Dad afterwards, just as kind of a, just just to watch this weekend. And I had no idea going into that until I was, you know, kind of doing my research way too late in the hour to realize that, Sean, you were the producer on that. So it's a hell of a week for you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. <laughs> so then um, to th- this is a film, though, that I think with Our American Family, it's really kind of, I, I mean, both of these films watching the back-to-back, it's uh, it, it's oddly enough, the the one about addiction is the one that is really a little bit more hopeful um, in a way, <laughs> watching these two films. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the idea of making a film that, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a way to convey this, where I think most films about addiction, most documentaries, they have an element that's almost salacious. It's like this addiction pornography in a way where they go into it and it's dehumanizing in a way. And I think that the humanity is absolutely at the center of the story. And I think that's really what makes this film work. And I'm assuming that was a conscious approach in the filmmaking. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Sean, do you want yeah. to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, that was, I mean, I think first and foremost that Haley has a long standing relationship with this family, as you know. And so I think for the rest of our filmmaking team coming into it, we were just really taking our cues from from kind of the rules that and the rules sounds bad, but the rules that Haley set out, which is everything comes from treating this family with respect and treating their situation with respect. And that made it really easy. It was you know, from the beginning, there was not going to be any drug use in the film. You know, and, and fortunately, we didn't have to not film any because there, there wasn't. It was... Um, and, and there weren't, you know, this wasn't going to be a thing with talking heads experts. This was going to be really the experience of this one family in early recovery and what that looks like for everybody as an individual and really for the unit. So I think that it wasn't hard to avoid those things because it was, I think, I think something else was just in the DNA of the project and in the way that it was set up between Haley and her relationship with the family from the very beginning. And Haley, could you talk a little bit about setting those ground rules just from the beginning? Um, what made you want to head about this project in this way to go deeper with this family? Well, I think number one, setting the ground rules. I mean, honestly, it didn't even feel like ground rules. It just felt like love. Yeah. It felt like responsible care, frankly. It felt like hearing this family. You know, they were tired of films that were glamorizing addiction. You know, they were tired of stories that, you know, kind of kept audiences at the end of their seats to watch somebody shoot up 
Like they were frustrated with the representation of what it looks like for a family to struggle and frustrated that a lot of the projects were focused on getting someone help instead of what it looks like when you, when you're trying the best you can to make change and you're in it. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's what makes this so relatable Um, where if it's not this particular addiction, most families have some form of struggle that they're going through at different times. Families are complicated, difficult, wonderful, amazing things that you have this tie together that you are fighting for and against each other at different times. And I think that's what makes this such a powerful piece because it doesn't feel like something that's at an arm's length. It feels like something that's an embrace of these people. Thank you. I mean, no. that that was our, that was just, I think that was just our genuine love and care. The team, the team that has like everybody on the team kind of was like-minded and wanting to, to be respectful, wanting to not judge and wanting to just stay mm-hmm. open and, and kind. And could you talk a little bit, uh, Sean, about working as a co-director on a film? What's that like as far as uh, how do you lay out res- what you're going to do with uh, in regards to responsibility, dividing and conquering? Is it something where you're just taking different days or you're handling different kinds of material? Or h- how do you work together as uh, two directors? It's interesting. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily thought about that while we were doing it. It felt so natural. We were just kind of like two brains working as one, <laughs> using our different skill sets as storytellers to try to tell this family story in the most respectful way and in the most interesting way we possibly could. So, I mean, it really felt like our entire team and this family, we all just kind of came together and then like integrated. And it was just one unit working together this entire time. So it's never, you know, it's never been a conscious thing of thinking of like, you do this, I do that. It's just, we all come together and do what's necessary. And Haley, could you talk a little bit about that idea of working with a collaborator on this kind of this level where you are both directing and making working by committee, I guess, in in that sense. I'm, I'm not sure I, I was always really bad at that um, when I've tried to make little films here and there and I've done little tiny projects that I've done. It was always that idea of somebody had to make a decision at the end. And if we just all um, were waiting for direction, and I think that was something that was difficult for me to overcome. And so maybe having a co-director would have been something that's helpful. Is that something that you would want to do in the future or something that, um, just makes the process easier or just uh, relates to a better product in the end. I mean, I'm work, I'm always open to working any way that's best for the project. I mean, in this case, like Sean has certain skills that I don't have. Like he's just talented in certain ways. Like, you know, when you, when he picks up a camera, like it's just really him, he and Seamus, like, it's just really amazing. And, you know, Sean had experience, certain experiences that I didn't have and, and vice versa. I think what both of us kind of brought to the table, we, we really did. I know it sounds like kind of corny, but I think we really did fill in like, what the other might have needed at the time, but then also in certain cases overlapped. And whenever we overlapped in something, both of us were so, um, and the whole team was so, I think mission driven and mission being that we wanted to honor the family and tell a, a loving story that we're so mission driven that it wasn't about like, 
oh, well, Haley said this, so we had to do this, or Sean said this, so we had to do that. It was just like, what's going to serve this family and this project and then our audiences the best? So really, if we like, we, I guess it's just about like stripping e- ego and, and shifting to a mindset of, of, of impact. And could you talk a little bit about the uh, visual approach to the film? Because the, the film looks really good. This is something that um, there's documentaries that often will feel very dry and they feel very um, just the talking heads going back and forth. And sometimes you can have a story that's so compelling that it can transcend that. But I think that they will not lean too heavily on the visual components of the film. It's not something that overshadows the story, but it feels like something the visuals were something that were being thought out in this film. Yeah, that really, it was, it was interesting because like our technical approach to this film was very much driven by capturing the story in a way that we didn't feel like we were intruding upon the family, right? Like they let us into their world and they really let us properly embed with with them and become a part of their family. And so every time we, most of us don't live in Philadelphia. So when we would kind of all descend upon the city to film, each time we were having this discussion in advance, like how do we make our cameras get smaller? And so it it became getting down to like the essentials and then trying to create the most beautiful images that we could while capturing the elements of the story that we needed. I mean, it was a really, um, it was a really fascinating exercise in, I think, sort of Spartan filmmaking of trying to really get down to the essence of how do we do this and how do we tell the story the best while still making it look beautiful? It was, it was fun. It was unlike anything else I've ever worked on in that sense. And it was just, you know, fantastic experience. And how long into the project were you when you started to find the story? Um, because when you're making a documentary like this, it's, you can't really know over the course of the year, what's going to happen to this family. And of course you have ideas and sort of, I, I guess some sort of a plan, but really the, the beats of what exactly is going to happen can't be planned out in that way. So um, do you, did you have a point in that year long where you felt like the story was starting to shape itself or was that something that was found in the editing? I think we always knew when, I mean, it's interesting because we always knew, obviously not talking about the arcs and that kind of, you know, of the story, but we always knew what we wanted the story to be. We always knew that this was going to be a family story that this was going to be a very intimate portrait of a family in early recovery and that it was going to be a story that had no judgment in that kind of thing. So as far as what the story was intended to be, then when you talk about the beats and you talk about figuring out the story elements, I mean, every time we were on um, set, we were writing like, we were thinking about that always. We were always like journaling as far as like, well, what do we know? What don't we know? How, how's, how has Christopher changed so far? You know, how, how is Stephen changing so far? Is, is he going from like quiet? Is he evolving? What, what's going on with Brian? You know, is the stepfather in the film who, you know, isn't sure if, if, if addictions is disease or not. And it, and, and tells us flat out, he doesn't think Nicole's going to make it. So like we were lucky in that all of the family members put these like hard lines down when we first met them. Like Brian, I don't think Nicole's going to make it. You know, this is all like a bunch of hobie booby stuff. Like Nicole was like, I really want to have a sleepover with my daughter. I want to have yeah. her closer to me. Like so everybody kind of like Linda was was struggling from day one with minimizing and enabling. So I think all of them by laying down their heart 
in the very first interview and beyond and laying down a couple of pieces that were that hung like questions it allowed us to continue to ask those questions along the way it allowed our our journal to keep our eye on those things it allowed when when something was said in in shooting and Sean's you know like holding the camera and making sure he's capturing it I'm then writing down okay this was said let's pay attention to this kind of thing so I think it really was us being mindful the whole time that we needed to have a story and then really coming to two of the best editors also like we, we were lucky enough to work with Joel Platch and James Carroll um, and say kind of like, this is where we're headed. This is what we're thinking. And then also allow them to kind of have that distance that we didn't yeah. have and say, okay, you might be telling me that, but here are a couple of cases where here's what I'm seeing, where, where it might be different than what you lived or you thought you lived, you know? So again, it really was just the value of not only being mindful of story and being mindful of change and be mindful of the um, people in the story, but also then being open to the team and hearing things that that could we could be missing. And then how did how many times because you mentioned earlier, Sean, that you weren't you were traveling to Philadelphia for this. So how many times were you going out to Philadelphia? How many times did you go out in total and how were you deciding a schedule for how often you were checking in? I don't know if I have an actual count on how many times we went, Haley, maybe like eight. I'm gonna to have to look it up in the notes. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say between six and eight times. Um, but it it was interesting. So there were certain moments where we would know because so Haley being in Philadelphia with the family, she was always able to touch base with them. She always does anyways. They just have a close relationship. So we would know when there were, I guess, like milestones or upcoming, you know, potential pivot points, and we would plan to come for those. But then we also wanted to make sure that it wasn't just that we really were capturing a family's experience one year in the life of their experience. So we wanted to get some days where nothing was happening. And interestingly enough, it's some of those days where nothing was happening, where some of the most interesting story elements occurred, because that's when life happens, right? When you're not expecting it to. So it was really being conscious of of balancing those two things, like intentional story moments, like knowing that the the, the, the family's going on a trip or, or something, right. um, along with intentional non-story moments that turn into a story. And is it the those moments that you're showing up for the pivotal moments that allow for those when you're showing up for the just life happening and then it becomes those are the real crucial moments as you were saying, but because you've allowed for that comfort to be built up, you're able to capture those more. It almost seems like there's when we have those big life moments, be it a holiday, a vacation, those things where you know there's expectation around it. You build it up and we almost present in a way on those days. But then when you're just going to work, coming home, dealing with the day-to-day of life, um, that's when you let your guard down a little bit more. Were you more comfortable in those moments with them, do you think? We, I think a lot of this was an extension of the relationship Haley already had with the family and the relationship the family had with Haley that you know we showed up, our team, um, and felt like we were a part of the family. There was never a moment where I felt uncomfortable with them. And I don't think anyone did. I, I think that, you know, each member of our crew bonded with the family members in their own way. And there was just like a, a mutual comfort and respect. I know we were all excited anytime that we were coming into Philadelphia because we all, we all got to see each other again. And 
I just wanted to, there were in the press kit for this, there were a bunch of statistics that were laid out. And the one that really grabbed me was that it was, what was it? It was something like in 2020 that you were more likely to die due to opioids than in a car crash. Uh, I'm not sure if those are consistent at this point, if it's still at that level two years later that it was, but it's this thing that's so common, but I feel like nobody's talking about it. Most of us can discuss or know somebody that's died in a car crash and you can talk about that. There's no, there's no shame associated with that for the most part. Um, This is something that it's this quiet, common secret that I think that we're not discussing in a way we need to. And I feel like this is the kind of film that helps open up those discussions because you can see these people as your neighbors, as your friends, as your family members, and it can open up that sort of um, those pain points that we're not comfortable talking about. I I mean, my, my personal family, we've been touched by addiction. There are things that have happened in our family that um, are very difficult to talk about in a public space, but I know that talking about those things openly makes it easier for others because you don't, when you feel isolated, I think it's far harder to go through these things. So could you talk a little bit about maybe the reactions that you've had to this film and have people found catharsis in this? Cause I, I personally did. That's what Linda says all the time. When you talk about the secret of addiction, you know, Linda really the mom in our American family, she's the matriarch for this family who had grown up with addiction. Um, her mother struggled with anorexia nervosa, which is a form of addiction you know, she really points to the fact that addiction loves to hide. Addiction loves when it's kept secret. Linda, in the film, you'll see she she shares with her father something really hard that happened with her. And her father told her like, hey, um, your mom's not doing well today. We're not going to talk about it right now. So it's addiction that kind of, you know, it, it's always pushed to the to the to the forefront by being silenced in a sense. And that's one of the big driving motivations for this family to say, let's put this out there. I mean, they were at the point where they're like, we've tried everything. The one thing we haven't tried is being extremely open about what's going on in our story. And I guess they haven't tried making a documentary before, <laughs> but really for them, I mean, they are so fierce to do it because it, you're right. Like for people to know, you know, that they aren't alone for Nicole has said before, like the opposite of our disease is connection. And that most people, instead of wanting to connect with us, most people will want to like kind of push us aside or not be associated with us. She's like, wait a minute. Like if people will actually lose some of this judgment, you know, some people don't speak up because they're afraid that they're, they're going to lose their job. Some people don't speak up because they're afraid people will look at them differently. Like what if as a society, we just change that and just kind of decided to be more a part, more an extended family of people who are struggling. What happens then? This, if we lose the stigma around it, we can possibly start to find a way forward. I know that keeping it quiet is not going to be the answer. Yeah. Um, not being connected to each other, you know, it, demonizing people in a way that's just that are usually people that are suffering and working through trauma. So it's just that they chose a path or the path chose them some a lot of the time, it seems. Um, and the more that we can engage with our humility and humanity, the better. So thank you for that reminder with this film and congratulations. Cause I think this is something that 
um, desperately needs to be seen. And I'm very jealous of those that are in New York and LA that will have a chance to see this in a theater because this is the type of film that I really would love to be walking out of a movie theater and joining conversations that'll be inspired by this film because it's just one of those things that I could imagine the lobby will be filled with that. Thank you so much. No, thank you both for taking the time and congratulations on the film. It's a, it's a wonderful one. Thanks. Um, thanks a lot. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks guys. And uh, Emma, thank you again, setting this up. I appreciate thank it. You, Always Emma. good to hear from you. My favorite Leo. <laughs> Chris, how's your son? He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. I, I, yes. Two sons, a six-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they're both doing fantastic right now. They're both back in school, full in-person and everything. So yeah, it's been, it's been good. So how are, how are yours? How are the, are you, have you, are you still writing at this point, Haley? Have you done another yeah. book? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still writing. I had a couple more books come out. Oh, blah, blah, blah. A, a couple more. That's it. Bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're older now. So enjoy the six and 12. It's just such special moments. John has little ones too. Oh, it's 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 amazing. I, I love it. The, the 12-year-old, his taste is fully starting to form at this point where I can start to show him those things that I was following. It made me love film and art at that age. And you can kind of show him things that, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I think he's probably about a year away from um, Chinese Bookie, which I'm really looking forward to turning <laughs> him on to Ben Gazzara, because that's just one of those ones that um, I can see that that future in him. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. How about, how Time to turn it? him into a punk. That's the idea. It's just like, <laughs> my, my, just like taste... leave a dead Kennedy's album somewhere. Like, oh, oh, I have. I have no, he hates, he hates my music. And that makes me oh, so no, happy. That's no, that's, that's what they're supposed to do. You're not supposed to love your parents' music and <laughs> I'm supposed to hate theirs. That means things are working how they're supposed to. <laughs> totally. so, Sean, how, how old are your kids? Sorry. I know we're going over at this point, but. Oh, 19, seven and four. Oh my God. You have a range all over the map. <laughs> Wow. How, how, oh my God. Yeah. I, but it's the four-year-old. That's, that, that's a rough one, man. With the last three years that we've gone through, how, how are they holding up? I, I don't, I, I think she loved it. Everybody was home all the time. It was like, it was like a dream. She says regularly, like, I want to go back to quarantine. <laughs> God, I love the introverts. They had such a great time. And the kids in the eighties, all of us kids in our forties who were bored all summer. We're like, we did this in 1983. So we know how to do this again. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. It was really good to see all of you again. So take care. Care, uh-huh. bye-bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
Crack.